And now, time to get in the huddle with your host, Charles Prodger Ritchie, here on the Mass Steel Podcast. Hey, you blink, I'll cut your eyelids off. Don't you blink. Let's go. You get where you feel like you can rush the quarterback. You understand? Rush the quarterback. Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. And who ride indeed once again. Welcome to another edition here, a special edition here of the Mastio Podcast. Of course, your host, Charles Prodigy Ritchie. And once again, join me on, on today's show. Once again, the return of the godfather of Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio right now who is the host of Savin on Sports, Monday through Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 970 ESPN Pittsburgh, the one and only Stan Savory. You can follow him on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Stan, I mean, on Twitter, at Stan Love the Show. You can check out all his latest podcasts, once again, iHeartRadio. And we're getting right now to get right into uh, Steelers versus Browns playoffs. Uh, Stan, I know last time we uh, talked, you mentioned how you had some uh, family growing up, uh, some people who root for the Browns right now. Uh, tell me, what's the current move right now? Uh, are you hearing any Cleveland Rocks right now, uh, every now and then, going into this game right now? It's been 18 years in the making. Here we are. Uh, you don't hear much Cleveland Rocks here in Pittsburgh, I can tell you that. Um, I think, you know, Browns fans are excited. I understand that. Uh, it's been a long time since they made the playoffs. Of course, their last appearance to the playoffs was here in Pittsburgh, where they lost to the Steelers. Uh, I was at that game. Uh, before that, they played in 94. That was at Three Rivers. They lost that game, too. Uh, I suspect the same thing will happen Sunday night. Uh, I mean, I understand if they're excited. They should be. Good for them. They've had a heck of a year. Uh, but I, I don't know how much confidence that they will draw from their victory over the Steelers on Sunday. I mean, the, yes, the Browns are missing some players, too. But the Steelers, as we know, for their absolute best players were held out. Others were somewhat limited, um, and yet the Browns held a big lead and had to hold off at the very end. And while I'm sure they're excited to be in the playoffs, i got to believe that deep down inside, Cleveland's saying, wait a minute, that game meant nothing to them. It meant everything to us. We jumped out to a big lead, and still we were in a two-point conversion of going to overtime. i got to believe that still leaves some serious doubt in their minds about their ability to beat the Steelers, especially in Pittsburgh. As for the Steelers, they would never admit this. You know, they're not an organization that is used to losing. They're not an organization that likes to lose. But I think deep down inside, the coaching staff and some of the players had to feel fairly encouraged by their performance in Cleveland. They didn't quit. Uh, the, The reserves who were asked to play or play more significant roles generally played very well um, they're healthier or should be for this game so I think the Steelers are feeling pretty good about themselves right now yeah indeed and real quickly just before I get to the playoffs I'll tell you the truth because the last time I had you on here we're going to a big key uh, Monday night matchup where the Steelers lost to the Bills back in week 14 uh, in dominating fashion in the second half basically at the end of the second quarter and pretty much Steelers fans had to turn their 
eyes to Monday night get game. Fair enough to say that by the Ravens uh, beating the Browns, especially Lamar Jackson coming out with his little heroics right there, limping back onto the field where it was Willis retype moment. Fair, to, fair or foul to say that the Ravens saved the Steelers' season of winning the division. Do you think they would have held on and won the North, or do you think the Browns would have probably took it at that point, looking back? Because I thought that was huge keys. That made the game, brought down to one game, the clinch division at that point. Well, I mean, undoubtedly. Um, although, again, if the Steelers would have needed to win the game to win the division, then all these guys would not have been wrestling. Um, they had nothing to gain. Two seed versus three seed, it ends up not mattering anyway because Buffalo won. Um, so, uh, again, we don't know what the outcome might have been. My suspicion is for two reasons. If Roethlisberger plays, if Hayward plays, if Watt plays, if Pouncey plays, um, uh, I think they win the game, not to mention not just personnel, Charles, but the attitude. Uh, if the Steelers would have thought we need to win this game to win the division, uh, I mean, I think their attitude would have been much different heading into the game. Uh, so, I mean, who knows what might have happened? Uh, that's speculative at this point. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't want to. I feel confident about this game, but it doesn't mean that I think that the Steelers are out of the woods. Um, let's be honest; they've lost four of the last five games. Now we can maybe. Forget about the Cleveland game because they didn't play everybody and so on. But the truth of the matter is, even if you forget the Cleveland game, they have played exactly one half of good football in the last four games. And that was the second half against Indianapolis. Right. Before that, they played really four poor games, even though they beat Baltimore. That was a depleted Ravens team. They played very poorly against Buffalo. I thought they'd lose that game anyway. But losing to Washington and losing to Cincinnati, um, that was an embarrassment. So, I mean, I think they're on the right path again, but that doesn't mean that I think that I'm convinced that they're on track or back on track to where they were when they were, let's say, 10-0. One half of football against a good indie team, it's just not enough to convince me or to override four games of very bad football. Yeah, indeed, real quickly. Now, also going to this game, too, because we still got COVID around the core, too, so it's uh, not over just yet. But given with those factors right now, you had, like, a bunch of their key guys. Once again, the Browns players testing positive. They're going to be without their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, and instead they're going to have a guy named uh, Prefer who's going to be uh, taking over. We actually had some familiarity as a player a long time ago playing against the Steelers. I think it was with the... Bills or the Browns, I forget which team, but let me just say this. I think winning this game for the Steelers is not only a huge win to kind of prove that they won't be one and done, but playing for survival to stay healthy. Because if anything, I see a familiar pattern going back to what happened versus the Ravens a month ago. Bunch of players testing positive. You win this game. You got to hold your breath. Make sure no one's being added on the COVID list. So which leads me to this question for you, sir. A Steelers playoff win versus Browns will be what? Fill in the blank, please. Defining. In other words, winning this playoff game is not what the Steelers have in mind. In other words, they have bigger goals in mind. 
But if they lose this game, I think it puts a terrible taint on the entire season. It will have meant that they lost five of their last six games. In my view, it totally negates right. an excellent 12-4 record. Team, you know, who knows? But, I mean, if they lose this game to a team that they're better than, they're at home, even without fans, um, a team that they dominated, uh, you know, back in the early point oh. I think they'll forget all about the 12 and 4. I think they'll be defunct. Just like that team at 17. That team was 13 and 3. Nobody remembers that. They remember them being humiliated at home by Jacksonville. So this game against Cleveland, I think, is season defining. If they win, it doesn't end the season. But if they lose, it not only ends the season, I think it really just blows up everything they accomplished through the first portions of the year. Okay. Hey, uh, Stan, real quickly, uh, before we go any further, uh, if you could just give me, like, a just a okay or whatever. Um, you doing okay on your end? I, I apologize if you hear any lagging on your end um, as mine. Is everything okay on your end connection-wise? Yeah, no, I, I hear you fine. Okay. All right, never mind. It's, it's probably just me. Hey, uh, real quickly, uh, I meant to ask you this last time, and uh, I never heard back from you, but... I will say that speaking about like uh, leaving things in the past, and of course you don't want to be one and done and leave the salty. I I will just say this: Mean Joe Green, what he did for the Steelers back in the late '60s. Of course, I mean with that being with Dan Bruni getting involved with his father Art and Chuck Noll at that time. And you look at what they did to turn like their fortunes around, but the attitude that Mean Joe Green uh, brought with him. He had to go through his fair share of losing seasons. Before they got on a hot run as a playoff team and won their four Super Bowls. Now, with that being said, with Miles Garrett, a lot of people are going to still have better taste in their mouths than what he did with Mason Rudolph a year ago. Nice enough to hear at the conclusion of this past game uh, in Week 17 that they went up to each other. Congratulations on a good game. Mason Rudolph kind of like squashed it in my mind. But is it fair to say from like a Steelers-Brown comparison, Miles Garrett is to the Browns as significant as what Mean Joe Green meant to the Steelers, like attitude-wise and like skill-wise, like playing for each uh, team. Oh, it's a good, it's a good analogy. Um, I suppose that they might say that um, you know their turnaround began with you know Baker Mayfield that group, but I I think Miles Garrett. Um, is their best overall player. Right. Green. But in terms of the relative importance to each franchise, uh, I think you could say that. Um, of course, we'll see uh, how far the Browns go, if at all, in the Miles Garrett era. Clearly, Joe was not alone. Some of the greatest draft classes in NFL history. Uh, but Joe clearly was the leader. Joe Green is the greatest stealer um, who ever lived. Um, he was the cornerstone. I don't know what Miles Garrett is like inside that Browns locker room, but I do know that Joe Green was the unquestioned leader uh, of the Steelers locker room. Uh, he ran the locker room. Um, he was the most respected guy in there. I don't know if that's true of Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett did himself some image damage with the, uh, the Mason Rudolph, but I would also suggest early on in his career, Joe Green had some issues. Um, Joe Green is alleged to have spit in the face 
uh, Dick Butkus. Um, Joe Green um, did a number on Bob McKay in Cleveland. Uh, so, and, and Joe's admitted this to me. He said it took me a while to mature. I think Chuck Noll helped him in that regard. So maybe, uh, although Joe's offenses weren't as egregious, I mean, I think you could probably look uh, and, and suggest that, you know, both were young, both were uber talented, um, and we'll see if Miles Garrett's teams uh, reach near the levels those Steeler teams did. Uh, I think you probably could say that about Miles Garrett. All right. Well, now, sticking with, like, uh, legendary players, let's go over to the Pro Football Hall of Fame right now. Uh, once again, Heinz Ward has not made it in as a finalist yet. Uh, he has been retired for almost a decade, pretty much at this point right now, with the conclusion of his career. But you see guys like uh, Alan Fanica right now, who's also waited a long time right now, including with Bill Nunn, who actually uh, advanced, I want to say this past uh, July or, or end of June right now, uh, Fanica, he's been a finalist for six straight seasons since retiring, two-time Super Bowl champion with them, seven-time Pro Bowler, six All-Pro. Then you have Bill Nunn, and historically gifted sports writer for the Pittsburgh Courier under his dad, William Nunn, and what he did to help uh, spotlight and uh, stand up for black athletes, which was marvelous. Been with the organization for over 45 years, six Super Bowls, over under on this year's Pro Football Hall of Fame induction stand for the class of 2021. Over, under, one Steeler gets in, or do we see both of them get in? Do you fight, or it's just one or the other? My guess is that if you put odds on, I, I think Bill Nunn will get in. Um, I knew Bill. Uh, I knew him pretty well. Uh, and Bill Nunn should go into the Hall of Fame, not just for what he did for the National Football League and the Steelers, but what he did for society, he helped integrate small, traditionally small black colleges and bring that talent to the NFL. His impact on the social structure of the country was at least as great as it was on the Steelers and the National Football League. So to me, he transcends just football. Um, I have been on Alan Fanica's bandwagon for years. He is the only guard to be named first team all pro six times who's not in the hall of fame the only guard in nfl history who's been a first team all pro player that's not already in the hall of fame it's an absolute injustice and yes i admit it's a bit provincial because i know him and because i covered him and he's a terrific guy people don't know he also is an epileptic he had to overcome epilepsy while he was playing. Um, it's an amazing story. Um, I just can't believe that it's a tough class because Peyton Manning, you know, right. he's going to be a first ballot guy. You know that Megatron's going to get in. But the time is And tough. Charles Woodson. By the way, I would also include in that. Uh, and Charles Woodson, maybe he can wait. Uh, I Frankly, I put Tony Vaselli in the same category as Fanica. I look at it this way, Charles. I'm not a Hall of Fame voter. But I always look at this for all halls of fame, baseball, hockey, football, whatever it is. I don't look at stats because you're comparing one era to another, one guy playing for a different team in a different system. What I go is sort of by the eye test. In other words, during that time when that player was in the midst of his prime, was he considered the best or among the absolute best 
at his position. And when you talk offensive guards in the Alan Seneca era, automatically he was considered, if not the best guard, one of the top two. I would say the same thing about Baselli. But Alan Seneca, during his time, I'm not comparing him to Jim Parker or John Hanna. I'm just talking about during the time he played, Alan Seneca was considered the best guard. And by that, he should be in the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, hey, uh, well, let's go ahead and swing things over to another one, too. I uh, I know uh, during this time, and I know you got to run in just a second, but I just got two more quick ones for you. Uh, speaking of which, I know you're also doing a magnificent job of the Steelers Hall of Honor. You're a part of the committee on that, done spectacular interviews before in the past. I know we already got 2021's class in. Uh, devastating loss with Kevin Green being passed away. I'm not sure if it was from COVID or what was the cause of his death. But we also got a current guy right now, former offensive lineman, as battling a sickness right now of his own right now. I think Lou Gehrig's disease, I want to say. Uh, Tunch Ilkin right now, who's been a longtime analyst and broadcaster with the organization. I want to say dating back since 1995. Uh, can you give us like a little bit of a prediction of what you guys plan on for him? Or do you think he'll be uh, next year undoubtedly in the Hall of Honor for 2021 with the Steelers, Tunch Oaken. Well, I would hope so. I mean, Tunch has always been on the list, but there are just so many players, um, uh, you know, and, and we try to uh, take one from a different era, four players. This year we did five. We did take two from the 70s, Mike Wagner and Dwight White. Interestingly enough, all five players for the first time are defensive players going in. Uh, Tunch's name comes up often, but of course he was so active with the team, um, we thought, and there's a lot of guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of guys who are certainly deserving uh, from the 70s, from Lewis Lips. I mean, you know, you can go on and on and on and on. Um, uh, but Tunch has been under consideration. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure that given his current circumstances, that when we convene, which probably would be sometime in April or May. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what the prognosis is for Tunch, but I know this much. I would like to see him enjoy his induction. Um, and I won't be the only one of the committee, but I will certainly, if I don't nominate him first, then I will support any nomination of Tunch to be included uh, in what will be the class of um, 2021. No doubt about it. Touch strong, definitely for the community of Pittsburgh and uh, his family and everyone with the Steelers organization. Uh, just two more uh, quick pointers real quick for uh, get you out of here. Uh, over, under, fourth down attempts by the Browns versus Steelers. I tell you what, when I saw them play the Ravens on Monday night, they wanted to go after their throats. And trust me, uh, they went like uh, five attempts, I want to say, the last uh, games of the season. Uh, over, under, th- uh, three is the number that they go for fourth downs versus Steelers in this playoff. What do you think? Well, there are so many variables. I mean, a lot's going to depend on the score. Um, you know, are they behind? Presumably they're behind. They do run the ball exceptionally well. Uh, I'm not trying to duck. The, I would say under. Uh, but my the one thing I don't know is that Mike Prefer will make those decisions, not, Larry, uh, not, not Kevin Stefanski. Um, I don't know how much of a gambler the guy is. Um, you know, I mean, uh, that's a great point. Maybe he's a big time gambler. You know, some coaches are more willing 
to, to gamble. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth because I'm not, I don't know about this guy Prefer. Um, I'm sure Stefanski is an offensive guy has worked confidence in his offense. Maybe the decision will come down to Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator who will be calling the plays. That's another factor. Um, I, I'm sure the prefer will make the decision whether to go for it, but it'll be Van Pelt, not Stefanski calling play. But I think generally um, going for three times on fourth down, that's a lot. I'm going to go uh, real quickly for this game. I'm going to go 27 17 Steelers. I have enough confidence, not only in the offense with uh, with Joshua Dobbs like going in there in the Wildcat. I really like that, and I'm glad they're considering that to help out the run game. But the pass rush, you got four sacks from your bench on Baker Mayfield. Just imagine if your starting lineup was in there. Maybe the Browns just weren't taking the Steelers as serious because they knew they had a little bit of a lighter lineup. But still, I would imagine they'll overwhelm him in the pass rush. I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, Steelers this win. Win it by 10 points, 27-17. What's your prediction, foul score for the game for LHI or Stan? That sounds about right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win by two touchdowns. I also think in terms of the pass rush, let's remember, not only is Stefanski not going to be there, but their best offensive lineman, Joel Batonio, right. is not going to be there. He has tested positive. That's a huge loss for them. It will hurt him in the running game. It certainly will hurt him in pass protection. Um, uh, I like the Steelers by about two touchdowns, maybe 30-17, to 17, something like that. Took the words right out of my mouth. That was one of my other scores. Well, hey, Stan, uh, I know you got to get going, but, hey, awesome work as always. Thank you for always being in touch, man. Uh, always a fun uh, season when you can at least have your team in the playoffs and see what happens, but definitely no doubt about it. I think this is their last legitimate uh, crack if they're going to make a Super Bowl run, it has to be now. You cannot wait till next year with that cap. Stan, I appreciate you. You take care. You stay safe and stay well, my man. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining in. You, you take, have a good one, sir. Happy play at Ollie's again. All right, guys. Well, you just heard uh, from the man himself, the godfather of Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio right there, Stan Saver right there. Uh, he was nice enough to fit in his schedule with me uh, just joining in here. Uh, seemed to, mine seemed to think alike right here. It's going to be an interesting game going into this Sunday. And this going to be the nightcap. So they're going to be the final game of this first round wildcard weekend. That's going to be on NBC on Sunday Night Football, the final game of the first round. They'll be at 7.15 p.m. Central Standard Time kickoff. Uh, you're going to have Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya uh, definitely be the ones making the call on this one. So that's why I'm going to leave it at. I'm definitely going to see the Steelers uh, at least win this one uh, by 10 points. And let's get into a few other notes real quick too. Missy Matthews was saying this about head coach Mike Tomlin, that they've been extending testing, testing for the playoffs to family and friends of the players and coaches. Every morning at 6 a.m., according to Tomlin, he looks at his phone, looking at the previous day's test results. Coach Tomlin, the daily reminder of playing during a pandemic. He also said that Chris Boswell and Tomorrow Edmonds have a chance to start their way back into the fold this week. I will say this. Going another week without Boswell could be very key. Having Matt Wright going in here, I'm not sure if you want if you needs to come down to a field goal. Uh, how much uh, that's going to affect things. Uh, definitely say to watch out for. Also, too, we got an update of Robert Spillane, who hasn't played in a while. Him and Matt Filer will have a chance to practice per Coach Tywin. It was announced uh, 
yesterday at 11 a.m. Eastern by the Browns organization, actually Monday, that head coach Kevin Stefanski and two additional members of the coaching staff, two players have tested positive for COVID-19. So definitely a lot of interesting scenarios here, but uh, keep it with me once again. You can catch me Mondays, Wednesdays. Uh, Sunday will be the next time I'll be back here. Get ready for a pregame show here at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. You guys can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Prodigy Richie. Metal Podcast on Twitter is at Metal CGR, and at Metal Nation on Instagram. As I always, leave you. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. Here we go, Sirius. Here we go. I gone. <laughs>